I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. I'm sure it's not surprising to anyone that what matters in Washington, D.C. often does not matter to the rest of us. Uh, There often is that disconnect that makes those working in Washington seem to have uh, a little bit of tone deafness or to be a little tin-eared when they try to enact policy that may not matter quite so much to the regular voter in this country. When President Biden came into office with high poll numbers, uh, those numbers, uh, as has been reported, have been dropping uh, 15 percentage points since June. So what is the reason? How can we figure out uh, what those numbers really mean, what the administration should do, and what that might mean for the rest of us? We're very pleased to have today on the program Christopher Catalago from uh, Politico. He's the White House correspondent for Politico and uh, wrote a really compelling piece this week talking about the president's decline uh, being alarming and and really what some of the factors are and how that's playing out and and really what comes next. Uh, Christopher, thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thank you. So as as you looked at this, of course, the, the president and the White House have been concerned. The, the numbers have dropped significantly since June, almost 15 points drop uh, on a number of issues for the White House. But as as you see that, what uh, what are some of the things that jumped out to you? I know you started by talking about some polling that's been done, uh, not just by Republicans, but by Democratic strategists, uh, particularly in places like Georgia and Pennsylvania. What did you find? Yeah, a lot of this, um, there have been a lot of stories that have focused in in the month of August, which was a very difficult month for Biden and the White House on this um, chaotic and deadly pullout of Afghanistan. There have been pieces uh, focused on the the border and sort of the recurring stories that are happening there, uh, kind of this rolling crises we saw with the um, Haitian uh, migrants being the latest headlines. Um, and the administration having trouble getting that under control under our current immigration system. And, and those obviously had some impact on Biden's uh, job approval numbers, on how much uh, Americans trust him on these things. But the big overarching piece that we found from this slide in the polling has been the fact that people basically thought that by now we would be in a much better place on this pandemic um, we had the, obviously the Delta variant come back. Um, there's a, an, an issue of sort of a large and stubborn number of, uh, of unvaccinated folks, which has clearly contributed to the sticking around. Um, and I think that the administration as well had thought that we would be in a much better place on COVID. And it's not just uh, people who are sick and continue to be sick and, and, and are dying. It's also all of these folks in the um, uh, service jobs, um, the medical field. Um, and, and other people who rely on uh, supplies, they want to go buy a car or, you know, you're looking at um, 
inflation right now um, and the uh, costs of uh, goods and groceries going up. And uh, people are just frustrated. They're tired of this uh, kind of continuing uh, a feeling of dread that's out there. A lot of folks not back in there either in their, have lost their jobs or not back in their jobs and sort of been holed up for all this time, depending on what industry they're in. And that has just had a, a huge impact um, on folks blaming the president who, who um, you know, the person where the buck stops. Right, right. One of the things that jumped out to me in your in your writing and reporting, Christopher, was that the, that the concerns uh, were fairly similar across the political spectrum from Democrats, Republicans, and independents. Uh, what does that uh, tell us, and what does that mean for the White House? Yeah, a couple things there. Um, I think it means that this sort of uh, feeling of dread is, is basically bipartisan, that, mm. that it's not um, – which we also saw under former President Trump as well, even though we were not as deep into the pandemic, um, you, you know, it, it becomes less about sort of either side or the tribal politics and more, and more about um, how this affects people's lives. The other thing um, that kind of goes hand in hand with your argument uh, or with the point you made, which is um, that both focus groups, which are these panels uh, where people come in or on the computer are answering questions um, and also polls, which obviously involve much larger samples um, from many of the big battleground states from 2020, uh, the upper Midwest and, and uh, states like Georgia and Arizona, uh, Sunbelt, have been saying that they don't really blame um, Republicans either. And I, I guess that could mean Republican elected officials, but also Republican voters um, who at this moment are a larger share of the unvaccinated. So um, it's it's less sort of a finger pointing blame game yeah. um, and, and more of a feeling that uh, uh, people, I guess, depend, you know, regardless of their party are are, are more similar than uh, uh, than maybe um, we think when we, um, you know, watch mass media and, and, yeah. and take in um, how people are reacting to the pandemic. Yeah, I think that's really fascinating. And, and one of the other things that you pointed out in your uh, piece in Politico uh, was that there, uh, obviously we have this trust gap uh, that, as you mentioned, goes back well beyond uh, President Biden's time and President Trump's time. It, it really goes back and it seems to have been building. Uh, but there does seem to be this uh, feeling that there's a, a lack of focus or m- the messaging doesn't seem to be matching the efforts in terms of the White House. And it seems like Voters are getting confused by that or they're they're feeling that the president maybe isn't prioritizing the right things that are impacting their day to day world. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the coverage um, that we engage in, obviously being here in Washington and a lot of our colleagues in the media, you know, we're focusing on a lot of things that the um, lawmakers on Capitol Hill and the White House are, are, are spending a lot of their days and the president talking about. And that, over the last few months, has been this very large legislative package, both a bipartisan infrastructure bill, which got 19 Republican votes in the Senate and, and has uh, sort of more broad support um, coming in at over a trillion dollars. It's roads and bridges and broadband. And it's it's just a huge bill um, meant to uh, improve our infrastructure. Um, the other one is this even more massive social spending bill. And you know, there's a lot of TV ads around it. There's a lot of discussion about mm-hmm. the big number and what are some of the moderate Democratic senators going to support. And that's sucking up a lot of air in the room. And I think um, the idea that 
you know, sometimes when there's sort of a rolling crisis or a long range story, I think some a lot of folks would point to things like I don't know, climate change or um, some of these stories that seem um, like they don't have a beginning or an end um, that that they're harder to focus on. And COVID has in some ways almost become that. Obviously, there's the daily the daily news about steps the administration might be taking, the mandates um, that Biden has embraced are probably the latest example of that. But it's been going on for so long right now that, um, you know, it's it's harder uh, for them to come up with kind of programming around Biden to focus on that. But we are seeing sort of a pivot coming from the White House now. They're talking mm. about the supply chain issues and opening up ports in California um, to more hours of the day to get goods into the country. Um, obviously, a lot of concern among Americans about buying Christmas and holiday gifts, um, uh, being able to get their Thanksgiving meals. I mean, these are things that are that people um, are really going to key in on, and they're they're a real um, uh, danger for the White House if they don't get out ahead of these things. Um, and so, there has been somewhat of a shift in trying to focus attention on those things and not just allowing these big legislative measures to consume the uh, uh, the news coverage. Part of your reporting reference some polling and uh, some focus groups in uh, in Nevada, uh, Democrats and independents, and, and really having that anxious, tired, exhausted uh, thing, which, which we hear in a lot of places around the country. And it, it does seem that the communication strategy is not quite matching the policy strategy when it comes to the White House or, or, or being able to penetrate or, or have that communication strategy uh, take them somewhere or provide confidence uh, to voters that the president has it under control. He is focused on the right things. Uh, we also know that Jen Psaki uh, has noted and recognized uh, kind of where they are. And of course, in politics, the the polls are always just a, a snapshot. Uh, but I, I love the way you frame this in terms of uh, recognizing a hurdle is different than clearing it. Uh, so, as you look forward, what do you think are the key things that the White House should be thinking about or should be communicating that maybe they're not right now? So, part of it is is what we just touched on, which I think is that <clears throat> this is something that the president is consistently working on. Um, uh, which any any president would would likely be working on it, but but it's about that communication. It's about really kind of seizing the bully pulpit on it and talking about what they're actually doing to um, to improve things. And then the other part is some of this is just going to take a little bit of time. I think yeah. um, one thing we learned from this polling is that people are getting anxious. Um, there are folks who also you know, I would I would not call it instant gratification, but I, I think that the only thing that is really going to help this in a bit of a longer term since in, into next year is conditions getting better. If, yeah. if, you know, we pointed out, even if these bills are to pass, you know, there's a lot of people talking about what is going to help either party in next year's uh, midterm elections. Well, you know, the bills are, are something, and I think um, everybody wants to point to accomplishments and, and things, but a lot of those are more longer-range uh, problems that people face that they're trying to uh, uh, to focus on. I think the COVID issue has to be um, front and center, as we have a lot of Democrats um, and basically people across the political spectrum saying in the piece. Um, and so how, how much that can turn around in the next several months is is going to be a big. Um, it's going to have a big impact on on the White House, but on Americans as well. And um, 
you know, the economic side of that. Um, are things really improving in people's lives? Because the other yeah. big danger for them is um, maybe the numbers do start to look better, but are people's lives actually getting better? The worst thing you, you want in your communication is to be sort of painting this sunny picture of uh, of a big improvement, which many past presidents have done and tried to do in elections and then not had that uh, not had actual voters feeling that in their lives. And so um, I think they need to really be careful about, um, uh, you know, reflecting reality, but also um, talking about what they're doing. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's so vital uh, when voters know when it just doesn't feel right in their gut. Uh, yeah. They, they want to be hopeful. They want to believe. They want to be led. Uh, and I think it, when there's that confusion or or a, kind of a disconnect between the the rhetoric and the the reality in their day to day lives and around the kitchen table, uh, that that just further undermines that trust and and adds to that angst and fear and and frustration. Uh, Christopher uh, Catalogo from. Uh, Politico. Again, he's the uh, White House correspondent uh, for Politico. Uh, A great piece, great writing, and uh, great reporting. Appreciate you joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I think this is such a an interesting conversation to to look at. Again, if we go back to the beginning and and look at why the president is floundering, why his numbers uh, have dropped so significantly, and I'm not one of those who uh, believes you got to stare at the poll numbers all the time. Uh, the most important numbers, I think, for the president are dealing with the pandemic and what's happening there. The most important numbers are dealing with jobs in the economy. Most important numbers are making sure the inflation numbers in the economy don't go sky high. Uh, the other important numbers are what people's confidence level is in terms of their future, because all of that will play into what they believe coming from the White House and, and from the president. And so... You know, it's it's an eternity away in terms of re-election kinds of things. And obviously there are still big battles yet to be done. And we know, uh, as we said, the battles that we just went through, the shutdown, showdown and cliff catastrophe, debt limit crisis, uh, bought Congress just a little bit of time. And so we're just going to let you know it's 51 days away. Uh, December 3rd, as we predicted, and we'll do this dance all over again with a shutdown showdown, with a crisis, catastrophe, calamity, dealing with the debt ceiling, and that those battles are going to continue to go. All of that makes it really difficult for the president in terms of moving forward an agenda. More importantly, how the, the president and his team are able to communicate what the strategy is to give confidence to the American people will ultimately be the test for the president and for the country. Now, President Biden's social spending bill uh, will probably be a lot less expensive than initially advertised, and that actually might be a win for the progressive wing of the Democratic uh, Party. Our Street Institute's James Walner is going to join us coming up after Top of the Hour News to tell us all about it. Find out about that coming up next. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.